Welcome to the In Awe Podcast, where we amplify women by sharing their unique stories and empower a community through the mission and their message. I am your host, Sarah Johnson, a former school teacher and principal turned author and entrepreneur, living my own leap of faith on a mission to teach masses. Each week, we will feature stories from women who will leave us all in awe of their impact on our world. Welcome to the In Awe Podcast and our series on coaches. These conversations are pushing and inspiring me, and in full disclosure, each one makes me totally geek out. Having conversations with women who lead from their strengths and serve others to become their best versions is something I could do all day long. I am really honored and excited to bring to you today's guest. Dr. Keely Reese is a full professor in the Department of Health Education and Health Promotion at the University of Wisconsin-La Crosse and is owner of Keely Reese International, LLC. Her research and work in the health field provide the foundation for advocacy, policy, and women's health in a variety of public health settings. Keely's career has focused on the well-being of people and organizations. As a teacher, personal coach, workshop facilitator, mother, and wife, Keely has an extensive background in personal and organizational health. She loves working with educators, health professionals, teens, young adults, and professionals of all ages and experiences. Her work is grounded in compassion and enthusiasm for individuals and communities. Keely recognizes how we all are a work in progress and the need for connection and empathy is evident in our homes and workplaces. In today's episode, Keely gives us much wisdom that stems from her deep and extensive work in public health and dives deeper into her passion for serving small groups and individuals in their journey toward healthier living. I loved this conversation with Keely, and we touched upon the pandemic, politics, self-awareness, and much, much more. Keely is going to make you think and consider the power of self-reflection, and if you find yourself in need of a pivot, I think she will empower you to know that you can. I am honored to bring to you Keely Reese's coaching voice. Welcome Keely Reese to the In Awe podcast. I'm so excited to have you featured here and for my listeners to get to know you today. Welcome, welcome. Thank you for having me. I am incredibly honored to be here. So I don't always get the opportunity when I interview people to picture them, but Keely, you and I have met face-to-face before and yeah, yeah, we have connections and and we're connected as people. And so that's just a really cool thing. And I know how cool and awesome and dynamic you are. So I'm super excited for you to share your wisdom and your experiences today with the listeners. Would you give us a little bit of a current context for what you're up to in this lovely world of ours? Yes, absolutely. So I am figuring out who I become in the next next 20 years. Um, I've been a full professor at the University of Wisconsin-La Crosse for, um, well, I'm going on 19 years now. So came here in 2003. Um, my background is health education all the way. So health education, wellness, um, public health, um, and I have a varied path and journey in the way that I did all that and in which I sort of landed here. Um, and in the last few years, I have really, and I've always done um wellness coaching, wellness consulting, coaching of some form. Um, I was just joking with my daughter the other day. She didn't believe me that I was a um, sports coach. Um, I used to run accelerated coaching programs for teen athletes. And she's like, what? Um, So my journey in health and wellness has been long and I've been very fortunate and just to have incredible mentors um, along the way in all the decades of doing this work. And 
in the last few years, I really got serious about starting my own business. I do a lot of consulting on the side, a lot of side projects through the university work that I do. And it just sort of all culminated in the last few years that I really wanted to branch off and be very dedicated and specific. And um, so in the last few years, I've, I've, I've always done coaching, personal one-on-one coaching with clients, um, patients on the side, um, more in the area of like personal growth and wellness. Um, and then in the last few years, I've definitely had this space where I've been working with a lot of, um, even my alumni who are maybe just stuck in their positions as health educators. Um, and, and they're always thinking, oh, I have to go back and get a PhD or a master's degree. And so my coaching has been really centered around the professional realm, um, helping, um, sort of entry level or mid level health professionals pivot and figure out what is it that I want to do next. Maybe they're in their second chapter or they're now raising um, children and doing this work and wanting to shift and pivot um, or gone through really um, wild life moments and trying to figure out how do I rebuild. And so my work is also really centered around folks who have experienced extreme and that, and this has been the work that I do in health education all along. It's just people who are really burned out, stressed out, overwhelmed, overworked, underpaid. Um, so a lot of my work in my day job as a professor, I do a lot of policy work in public health and really changing systems in my you know, publications, journals, writing, research is always around advocacy for women around reproductive health and social justice and making sure that women have access to health care, access to family paid um, leave. And then it just translates into my other sort of thing that I've been doing is helping them sometimes pivot. And, and a lot of times as a health educator, we're helping people get into a lot of other um, allied health resources. So a lot of my job is always figuring out, do you need counseling? Do you need um, a physician? Do you need someone else? And sometimes they just need a coach. Sometimes they literally need someone to listen to them and help them arrive at their own decisions for themselves. And so I really just view myself as a facilitator and meet people where they're at. And a lot of my clients are women and, but I'm not, I work with men too, but I, a lot of them are women and probably because I've been where they're at and, and can relate on a really core level um, on their journey. Um, and again, a lot of that is married with their own personal health and maybe it's around movement and nutrition. It starts out, but then it really turns into, you know, this is where they're really struggling professionally and um, knowing their worth and figuring out how do I ask for what I'm worth in this job or get out of this job because I am literally sick and ill because of this job <laughs> and how do I pivot? Yeah. So that's, that's where I'm at. <laughs> that was a lot of good stuff. Yeah. And so, you know, you kind of, you covered a lot. So I'm going to try to peel apart some of that. So one of the things that I find super interesting is that you noted that you are in public, well, you have an interest in public health, of course, which it, as we're recording this, whether the listeners hear this fresh or 
you know, years from now, the context of life is all about uh, public health at high levels with the Mm COVID-19 pandemic. And so I'm sure that you have some thoughts about that. But just even going back to um, what you said about the, the range of experiences that you have. And so we have you here on the Coaches Series Yes, because I wanted people to hear about what it is you do to serve um, you know, your clients. And I loved to hear how you have actually were an athletic coach too. That's so cool. So some some kind of like deeper follow-up questions for you. One is what what do you do in your work as a, as a full professorship at lacrosse? Is that preparing future health educators or what department are you working in? Yeah, absolutely. So my my work with the um, universities has always been around health education, community health education, public health. We kind of have uh, various names. We my department is really preparing um, the new workforce of public health educators. So the funny thing is, for decades, many of my most of my job is helping my young students tell their family members what they will do. And it's been really interesting because in the middle of this pandemic, a real live pandemic, not the 1918 Spanish flu pandemic, but 2020 um, has shed a new light on what we actually do in public health. And, and again, a lot of people don't know public health exists until there's a problem. And so we work in emergency preparedness. We work in maternal and child health. Um, we work in, um, we protect everything and everyone with the food you eat, the air you breathe, the water you consume, um, the cars you drive, you know, public safety and and we're about pub. we're about helping you know protect the masses and within the masses of course are individuals and individual health behavior so when i started this career when i was i was really looking at the one on one um when i first came out i was doing much more of that individual consulting, coaching, wellness, education. Um, and I worked with, um, in hospital based settings and, and then as I grew in my own profession, I really moved into public health, which is how do we help the greatest amount of people with policy and laws and ways to protect the, the entire state or region or county. And so my work at lacrosse is really preparing the next generation. So I direct an undergraduate Um, public health program. So we prepare all the new entry-level health educators that come across and they they get jobs across the nation and across the globe. Um, And then I'm also the director of our healthcare administration um, program. It's a graduate program for mid-career health professionals who need more leadership training and or HR background. Um, They might be doing the hiring, firing, training, and so they've now been put into a position of maybe management. And so... A lot of them are. A lot of my students are nurses or health educators, but they've been asked to take on more of a um, director or a coordinator role in a hospital or healthcare system. So my day job is pretty full, um, and I love. <laughs> yeah, I love the work that I do. I have alumni across the world that I am very connected with to this day. Remain very good friends with. Um, 
and it is just it is just an absolute joy because it's the kind of work that nobody goes into health and public service to get rich. We go into it because we love joy of watching a health um, the health of a community be lifted and we and watching individuals live a quality of life um, with less morbidity and mortality, death and disease. And so it's been really interesting to watch the world kind of recognize, oh, this is what public health does. <laughs> In fact, I have a, I have an intern right now. I have lots of interns this summer and students that are working as contact tracers and um, a lot of alumni across the nation that are working in the health departments trying to keep our state safe. And it's a really hard job right now. So a lot of burnout, a lot of stress for them, as you can imagine. Yeah, I absolutely could. And so it's really cool. Thank you for um, giving me all of that really rich detail about what your work entails in your day job, which is sounds very full. And I think had we had this conversation, you know, six months ago, it wouldn't have even been the same necessarily, oh um, you know, for the listeners to hear. Yeah. And so just out of curiosity, um, you know, what does that feel like? You said it's a big job. You have interns that are doing contract contact tracing and all of those things. And there is high level of burnouts, I'm sure. And especially with kind of like, I don't know if it's like the temperature of our country right now, where some people think that the pandemic is a hoax versus, you know, other people who are trying to take it very seriously. It's kind of shined a spotlight on how challenging your profession Mm -hmm. or your your role could be. Any insights that you'd like the listeners to hear about while you have their ears? Absolutely. Well, from the very beginning of my career, I have I start every single one of my classes telling our teaching our students that everything about health is political, whether it should be or not, it is. So whether that is your contraception that you choose, whether that is your um, freedom to, you know, choose what you what you eat, the medication you have access to. Um, downright to the access of healthcare that you have. And so our whole career in, in public health is really, um, we're, we're very trained and astute to the fact that health is political. So my frontline worker, alumni and friends that are out there, we very much know that this is a political, we knew it would be. Um, and then we just, we continue to bring it back to the good for greater and um, how do we bring this back to helping people make individual decisions that are good not only for themselves but for the bigger community around them and and it all comes down to individual behaviors and wearing a mask is a behavior just like um, not texting and driving or putting on your seatbelt or eating a vegetable once in a while in the day, right? Or drinking enough water. Everything comes down to personal responsibility and behaviors. And as public health leaders, all we can do is provide really accurate um, information. And when it gets really political and there's a lot of conspiracy theories and there's a lot of... Um, things out there right now that pull people in a lot of directions. We are, we train our students and our public health workforce and just our colleagues and friends to just stay the course. Um, It's been my mantra all spring and well, really my whole life, but stay the course, um, come back to science, come back to sound scientific principles and come back to the data. Um, 
and come back to what we know is grounded in and 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 you have to always be astute to the politics we can't do our jobs without being aware of the politics and be in the politics but at the same time um health comes down to um having people have empathy for others and um doing what's right for yourself and then your immediate family and so it's it's very challenging right now and so we are and we're of course facing these second and third waves and maybe never really seeing a second wave because the first wave never really hit quite as what we thought so just staying the course and really doing diligence to the science and and um, staying calm in the midst of the chaos yeah i i would say the calm in the midst of the chaos is something that we really need right now um, and so thank you for putting that all into perspective with the politics, because I know I felt frustration, like why are, why are wearing masks? Why has that become a political thing, even though it's scientific, mm-hmm. right? Um, but that helps mm-hmm. me to, to see it. And no matter how frustrated I get <laughs> as a public right. educator, who's, you know, has a household that's full of anxiety right now, thinking about going back into that scenario with um, small mm-hmm. cramped spaces and kids that you know, our nice uh, petri dishes that we love, but (laughs) that's a very real concern. And I'm sure many of my listeners are feeling the same, Um, or if not the same, you know, obviously complicated feelings. I I know that for a fact. Yeah. And it is, it's so complicated because this virus did not choose to arrive in 2020, an election year. Um, Mm. And it, you know, and that's the thing it's, it's universal. It isn't, it isn't a North American virus. This is hit globally. And when you look at other nations and other countries and how they've um, handled the, the pandemic and how they have handled the virus, they've very much looked at it as a virus. I think that's some of the differences you can look at too. Politically, it's much more heightened in North America because in the United States because we're right also in a very, very heated political campaign year. And so that makes it very challenging on top of it. Um, and might it look different if we weren't in 2020? Absolutely. But we've seen other nations that are also in, you know, that have politicized it as well. And at the end of the day, leaders in schools or in businesses or in communities, we have to kind of take a step back and recognize and being able to separate at some point that this is a health thing. And yes, there are politics around the health because it is always tied to funding and research and who gets what. And it always comes down to access. And that's very much what schools are going to face again in this fall um, across the nation and the globe of um, parents that have the ability to um, continue to keep their kids safe or online will continue to do so. And kids that maybe don't have that access or ability and they're probably safer in a school environment will have to make those changes and challenges too. It's, it's not going to be easy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And in the meantime, you know, uh, educators are very, very stressed <laughs> yeah, out. Mm-hmm. Stuck right in that middle. So um, thank you for going down that road with me. And so I want to shift gears just a little bit and just talk to you. You said you started out coaching and then you've, you know, you built this uh, career in the academic world, um, serving the public health through that um, 19 years of service for UW lacrosse. What is it that 
kind of pushed you or propelled you into starting your own business finally to serve in the way that you are coaching individuals? Well, I think what happened for me is, you know, and, and my, my wellness stuff that I've always done, I've always had clients on the side, um, more on the, you know, I've, I've taught nutrition over the years, um, exercise, wellness, women's health. Um, those have been the courses I've taught, but in, but I've never left my original roots, which were wellness consulting, working in hospital based and private consulting and, um, you know, working with young athletes and, and teams. And I, I, I still, I love working with the community at large and working on policy and um, working on systems change. And then at the end of the day, I also really know that you can have an impact with one person. And over the years, I've just had the absolute um, fortune and privilege to mentor so many amazing humans. And mentoring is just something I will always continue to do. And you do it for free. And you're just you're always an available resource for alumni and colleagues and students and and new professionals that are coming into the field. And but but a while back, it, it really started that people were wanting more more than that. Hey, let's have coffee. And can I pick your brain kind of conversation? And it became more like, I really wish I was in a class with you. I really wish I was in a session with um, a group of people talking about this. And once, you know, that started to really start happening, I started dabbling with smaller groups of that or just working with people one-on-one. And again, it might start out with um, having conversations around something that they were wanting to change personally, whether that was their sleep or their stress levels, or again, they were facing burnout or a lot of um, were young women who were maybe um, balancing, (laughs) balancing such a weird word, but juggling is more like it, um, family and, and work and life, really stressful life things from illness to disease, to divorce, to whatever it might look like. And so it just really started formulating that I need, I really want to do this, um, professionally and not just here and there on the side, but very intentional and very specific and then take on a specific number of clients and group sessions um, that could fit around my um, pretty intense day job. And so, you know, making it conducive to my own life, but also being able to really coach and and walk. And, and, and really, I look at it as a, um, a space where I, fe- I feel like a lot of the folks I were working with felt so alone and that they were the only one having that experience in that healthcare setting or in their family or whatever it was. And it, and again, they were not my students anymore. They were peers, they were alumni, they were people in the community that were kind of asking for it. And so I thought, I need to be more strategic about this. And so I got my own coach and I've had my own personal coaches throughout the years, counselor, I mean, in the form of, you know, mental health coach, like a counselor, 
therapist, all the way to my mm-hmm. own business coach, professional coach that really helped me launch what I wanted this to look like and helped me get very clear and very decisive and very clean about what I wanted to, this to look like. I like the public health work that I do that works on policy and systems and changing systematic things. But then at the end of the day, I also really like working one-on-one with people. And um, I just know the value of what that has done for me and other um colleagues and peers and family members throughout their own lives as well. And, and I will forever always have my own coach as well. Um, I think there's always a sense of, yeah, just always being able to pivot and just shift things a little bit. And when you get slightly stuck, what can help you get unstuck? That's really good to hear from you. A couple of things that I heard and thought were very um, powerful that we also have heard from other guests on the podcast, this series is that we all can benefit from a coach. Uh, When I put this in the context of now and for those listening who are in education, I'm seeing more and more about that. Like just looking at from the leadership standpoint, connected with veterans and brand new (laughs) administrators and not one of them have led through a pandemic, right? So (laughs) just being able to run all of these heavy hitter um, leadership pain points um, and joys through somebody who is coaching you has a lot of power and potential. And so, you know, considering this idea of the fact that you have a coach that helps you to perform at your best level, and then you can, you know, share that and then you have an empathy. So it's like a beautiful cycle of understanding what it looks like to be um, a form informed and feedback driven person is huge. So it's just really cool to hear about that. Um, And I also value too what you were saying about, you know, having a big impact on the community and um, policies and systems is fantastic and clearly you're gifted in it, but also the idea that you can have that one-to-one direct life impact. I think um, we had Jane Kesey on the show last month um, and she was talking about the fact, because she's a coach too, and she was just talking about the fact that she's in her, what she would consider to be her legacy years. And so just looking to have that deep impact with individuals, mm-hmm. you know, helping them and then the ripples that they'll create beyond, you know, what what you can do in a room full of 50 people to 300, you know, you have that individual impact that's deep versus that wide, you know, the depth and breadth argument. So that sounds pretty cool. So if a person were to, you know, sign up to be coached by you, what kind of experience would they, I'm like, what, what kind of content or what kind of outcome do you try to seek when you're coaching people? Absolutely. Um, Well, I'm first and foremost trained in needs assessment as a health educator. And so I really spend the first, um, you know, could be, we might just meet for 30 minutes, um, 20, I mean, even 15 minute call. Um, They can fill out a form really quick and it helps identify what are their priorities. And I never make the assumption of this is what they want or need. And I take them down a first, a conversation of what's going on. Um, It sounds like Tell me what what's going on. Tell me what you're looking for, um, and then I and then it's really a tailoring to them. If it's if it's personal coaching, one on one. If it's group coaching, it can look really different. But if it's if it's one on one, it can look like. Um, 
again, it might start out that they're just interested in really having a conversation about shifting um, within their health education career. How do I shift and do more? Um, how do I ask for um, more leadership roles? How do I ask for more pay? Sometimes it starts out as that. And then I would say it always swings back into um, something that they're really working on on themselves. And that might be boundary setting. That might be, um, you know, their own routines that they're not happy with. Um, and again, if they're if they're newer and they're entry level, that might be that they're juggling a new um, relationship, a marriage, um, children, young children, or transitioning to teens. So we're really talking about how do you do those things um, and, you know, really meeting more, them where they're at. And then we just really meet and decide, does this look like something that you are in for, you know, nothing is a as a quick fix, right? Like this, if we're going to really do the work, this is usually like a three month commitment. I mean, the science has been there for years. We know to change real habits and behaviors. Um, it looks like 12 weeks. It looks like 16 weeks. It, it takes, um, for a new, really ingrained behavior change. And and I'm talking about behavior change that could be in your leadership. That could be in how you lead or how you engage in conversation with your peers or your research or your, um, or it could look like individual behavior on the home front too, of like, I, I coach a lot of, I end up having lots of coaching um, clients that are really working on um, other health behaviors as well. And so, I mean, that's my background with health behavior um, through and through. And so somehow that usually comes back to boundary setting, stress management, coping mechanisms, sleep. Um, and again, I know my limit as a coach and as a health educator, I know when we are in it and I'm very forthright with them. If, if it gets into a space that is, I'm detecting that this looks really different. Um, I'm a very big proponent of referral and I have a, you know, listing of, um, experts that if it, if it looks like they need more mental health services, I, we go directly to that conversation. If it looks more like, um, we need medical intervention, we go that direction. Um, so again, I just look at myself as sort of like this, um, uh, I think, the you know, like, um, if you were on a cruise and you have like a an activities director, <laughs> sometimes I feel <laughs> like that, like I'm standing there with like a clipboard of options of, you know, I recognize that I'm not going to be the person that they might not always need. Two months in, you might find out that the person really needs um, more like um, mental health services and they're really dealing with anxiety and depression at a really deep core level or, you know, that they it really comes down to things in their relationship and they may need to seek a counselor for um, their marriage or their relationship. And so I, it's so funny because where you think it's going to start is never where it ends with a client too. And so I really am... Um, adaptive and intuitive. What I'm hearing and what has been my experience too is that there's not um, a sequential cut and dried path. When you're coaching, you are not consulting, you are coaching, you're helping them to see their path that they need forward and kind of guiding. I love the example you gave of the cruise director. It sounds like a lot of fun, actually. (laughs) I know, right? I know. (laughs) Well, and two, I like how you noted that, you know, it really comes down to when you say it's needs assessment and finding out deeper what's under there. If, you know, maybe the initial thought is they want to be able to negotiate a higher contract, but what has been holding them back before, um, like you said, is it boundaries? Is it uh, habits? More 
more that I do my own work and working with coaching school leaders and some of the work I'm doing right now, even in my own classes that I'm teaching, we started to go down the rabbit hole of Enneagram. And it's just been fun to see once people have taken this and are able to start looking at their own leadership and assess themselves through the lens of their own core values and who they are and kind of how they're made up, it really does have a strong impact on how you can step forward in that process. So that's a really cool thing to hear about. Keely, I'm just kind of chuckling because I could listen forever. I'm very much interested in this service. I think that it's much needed when you talk about um, discerning, you know, what's beyond your purview with mental health and all of these things. It's a real service that you're able to do with all of your background and your understanding and the empathy that you do bring. So I'm just excited for your clients. I'm glad that you've launched into this. I'm excited for my listeners to hear about you and listeners. Of course, I will link um, Keely's website to the show notes so that you can get in touch with her if you're interested in a consultation to see if coaching is right for you. And, uh, I, d- I just know that you have so much to offer this world. So I have to cut us and move to our two standard questions. Are you ready for those? Absolutely. I am. Awesome. So the first one is, if you could write a letter to yourself at any age or stage, what would you say? Yeah. If I could go back to my 20-year-old self, heck, even my 30-year-old self, I would say slow down. I, You know, the path is long. It's windy. Um, it's full of peaks and really deep valleys. <laughs> It's just not what you're going to expect. And it is, it's so much better. And of course, it's so much worse sometimes. And that it's, um, it's not a sprint. It's, it's literally an ultra marathon. I'm just fortunate that I did do those things along the way um, of picking up incredible mentors and coaches and therapists and people and friends in your inner circle and to hold them dearly and, and then to and then not be afraid to pivot and get off that path that is windy and to slow down and look at the path and you know reassess it and that might not be the path you thought you were on and to you know pick a new pick a new coach pick a new path and that it's okay um it it doesn't mean failure it doesn't mean um you're a bad person it doesn't mean these things it just means that it's it's just different and I wish I could go back and tell my 25 year old self that those things. I love that you said that it's an ultra marathon, not just a marathon. (laughs) I just really kind of put a pin in in what you're trying to get at there with that analogy. Okay. So how about this one? Um, If listeners are hearing you and they're finding themselves for whatever reason in a pit of fear or doubt, and as an influential woman, what could you say to them to help them rise up out of it? Yeah, I thought about this a lot. And I think that in the day and age we live in, where whether that is, no matter what your platform is, if it's Instagram or Facebook or whatever social media you're using, that remember that is 1D, maybe 2D at best, and that is not representative of who we are as humans. And that what people present may be one part of it and that every single person um, out there, whether they're on social media or not, has stuff and that they have really been probably walked through their own depths of (laughs) the valleys of whatever. And that I think um, when you find yourself just in that pit of fear and doubt and loathe even your being and your, what you think is your life. And, and 
I think what I would say in that pit of despair is that it's real and that if anyone tells you they've never been there, you know, they just might not have been there yet. (laughs) And that it's not a matter of like, um, when it's going to happen. It's, it's, it's not if it's when, and it's just that we're all on a different path of some of us, these things happen early on in life. Some of it's way later on life, but everyone has their own burdens that they carry and the pits of fear and doubt. And like, am I good enough? Can I do this? What, what do I have to offer the world? In those moments, I, for me personally, I kept my circle small and really clear and clean and tight and keep your bubbles very, um, that you, you know, you can get through really deep, dark pits of despair with a really tight circle, but you have to reach out within that circle. Somebody in your circle needs to know that you're going through that. And that could be a therapist. That could be a coach. That could be your partner. That could be your, um, your, your parent, but somebody reach out. I I will say that I've learned that through every hard thing I've ever gone through and the loss and grief and really hard things in, in my profession, in my career, in my marriage with raising kids. Um, any second that I thought I was alone, there was someone else who had been there before me and that I just needed to reach out. And, um, and I would also say in those moments of despair that boundaries are essential apps. And I mean, like drawing clear lines in your sand of you are not in the circle and I don't have to tell you my story or my this or my that to self persevere and to climb out of that pit of despair, um, keeping your boundaries really um, clean and clear. And I think women were not taught enough about boundaries. Um, And then I think that the other thing is a routine. And just because you see someone else's routine on Instagram or I don't know, even your own coach's routine, it might not work for you, but get a routine that works for you um, to get out of that pit of despair. And what worked 10 years ago might not work now. And so being willing willing to pivot and change that routine. Um, Just kind of like recapping the high points of that is this idea that, um, you know, you don't need to compare yourself to somebody else. We know we don't need FOMO, right? We don't need to steal our joy comparing. I'm hearing that you, you know, don't fold in, reach out to your trusted people, um, knowing who your circle is matters, and then not widening that, why not necessarily widening that when you're in the pit, but reaching out to those that you know you can trust, uh, whether that's pull you up or, you know, push you up from the bottom, <laughs> throw a line, whatever that is, right? Um, yep. So good. And and so I can appreciate that. And I also wanted to kind of put a, a fine point on what you said too. And I, I feel this way so firmly is that the eventuality is that we all will fall into a pit and we're fooling ourselves if we think that either hasn't happened or if it's not about uh, at some point in our lives going to happen. So there's just a lot of grace in knowing that that's going to occur. And um, I would just add a personal kind of story on with what you said about your routines can be great, um, you know, in one space, but they, they need to shift and pivot over time. And my listeners know, I mean, I just finished six years of running every day and that isn't enough right now for me. 
you know, to, to stave off my anxieties. I, I have a morning routine that, that has served me for the longest time and it's still just not enough. So I'm like looking to figure out what I can add to keep my mental health in check right now. Um, as a person who (laughs) has my own focus in this area too. So I just think it, maybe it's going to give grace to people that need to hear Mm -hmm. that right now from both of us. So thank you so much. Okay. Well, Keely, I know that my listeners are going to want to get in touch with you, so I will link your website, but is there a platform or a way that you recommend them being able to directly contact you? Is it through your website or do you have another method that you would like to mention as well? Um, absolutely. The website is a, is a direct way that they can message me. Um, it has my website on it, but, and it also has all my other social media platforms. I'm, I, I use Twitter, um, Instagram, um, a little bit more private on, but I love Instagram and love to follow people on there too. So if people want to reach out at, I'm at om at om peace, O M P E A C E. I've been that forever. Um, Twitter is just Keely underscore dot or Keely underscore Reese. Um, and then my website is just KeelyReese.com. Super e- easy to find. And then you can message me through there directly. Awesome. Well, listeners, you know that I will link all of that so that you can get a hold of her easily and safely. And Keely, I just want to thank you so much for taking the time to be on this show, for sharing your wisdom, um, your advice, and your light with us when we need it. And I'm just so, so grateful to amplify your story today. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you. I continue to be completely awe-inspired by every single guest on this podcast, and I am so grateful every time you choose to share, rate, review an episode. It matters so greatly to the mission and the message of our guests, and I appreciate every time you help one another rise by lifting up the message. Thank you so much, and I appreciate you being a part of this awe-inspiring community.